Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I remember that verse specifically, it was the rehearsal of my wedding. And on that day, I had asked my Aunt Pinky, everybody has an Aunt Pinky, right? I asked my Aunt Pinky, my mom's, one of my mom's sisters, if she would read that passage. So we're at the rehearsal. It's not at the wedding. This is back in the 90s. I've been married 26 years. She gets up to the front. She looks at the passage, and she just says, I need you to know, I don't like this passage, but I'll read it. <laughs> Fortunately, this is at my rehearsal not at the actual wedding. Because this passage is a hard passage, I think, for many of us. And that's why we're here today. Because in the end, I believe that true love does submit in marriage. But how do you actually do that? How do you do that? And I think Aunt Pinky actually misunderstood it. So to start us off today, I want to bring a live couple. We bring in live couples every gathering, different couples from each gathering, uh, to come up and talk about that. So could you welcome up Ed and Taryn Hayes? Come sit right there. What's so great, Ed and Taryn and I met in an odd way. We met at a wedding. But the reality was is that um, I, we never spoke at that wedding. They heard me uh, do at a wedding, and I was actually doing a wedding in a Catholic church uh, with a priest. It was a unique scenario, and, uh, and then later on, they called me up, and Taryn uh, said, hey, we're looking to meet with somebody about marriage, and uh, we'd love to meet with you, and that was now what? Almost a decade ago, nine years ago? Yeah, nine years ago, and uh, you guys have been married how long? We've been married for almost 12 years. It'll 12 be 12 years. years this August. Yeah. And how many children do you have? We have four children. Yeah. And it's, they're awesome. Awesome. And they're in that crazy age. <laughs> what did Ed do? What did you do? <laughs> or, uh, I thought he went, oh my goodness. Uh, that was the next one. That was the next one. And they're in that crazy age because your oldest is? Our oldest is 11. Yeah. And, and your youngest is? Two. Yeah. Super hard. Super hard stage. Uh, Ed, let's go to you. Just when you think of your marriage and your family situation, can you give them a little insight on some of the challenges you guys have faced and some of the joys? Well, yeah, with four kids, everybody's pushing their own agendas, and <laughs> it's pretty challenging. We're talking play dates. It's just scattered every day. Um, it's not about me anymore, and I was a big me person. Still am a big me person, but it's not about me. And, and so that's been a big challenge for me. That might be the close of the message. It's not about me. <laughs> like, the guy just summed it all up. Hold that mic right up to your chin. So tell us, tell us some of the other challenges. The kids, it's not about you. What else? Well, then marriage, obviously, it's not about you anymore. And, yeah. you know wife's doing other things and you get lost in the shuffle I think yeah. and you know you, you don't feel not re- well it is a respect thing sometimes like you you answer questions hastily you don't stop for one another yeah. it's just stuff like that not yeah. enough time in the day for everybody yeah and so it's usually I feel 
me <laughs> missing out. But. Yeah, so that pressure squeezes things out. Uh, Taryn, take us a little farther. Even give us maybe some macro. What have been some of the bigger challenges? Okay. Um, well, we've had, we've experienced addiction issues. We've experienced communication issues. Mm -hmm. um, so two years ago, um, one of the biggest issues recently, mm -hmm. or actually about two and a half years ago, Ed and I were in a car accident. Um, and we had a green light, a young 19-year-old boy ran his red light and totaled our car, and Ed's back was broken, and my neck was thrown in a whiplash, and it actually put Ed out of work for about seven months, so we started experiencing some financial issues. I was also pregnant with baby number four, mm -hmm. so the whiplash, and then four months later, um, she was born. The doctors think that the combination of that um, prompted me to develop, by the time she turned one, I developed a neurological movement disorder um, called cervical dystonia. Mm -hmm. Dystonia is in the same family as Parkinson's, um, Tourette's, but because it's happening in the cervical part of my spine, um, my neck just wants to whip all the time to the left. Um, so this last year has been really hard. Mm -hmm. I actually had to quit my job, my career of 14 years. And um, when it, when, because it's neurological, when I'm on stage and when I'm on... Um, when you're on. It, it, yeah. There's this adrenaline that's pumping through and it acts better. It has good manners, I've decided. Um, yeah. But when I'm kind of calm and relaxed, um, you might see me walking around and my head just wants to do this 24-7. Um, I you do. have to understand, there are times when uh, I've seen Taryn in that most challenging spot where they'll come in and we'll talk in her office, her and Ed, and she'll have to actually put her head down on a chair to stop the whipping motion. Um, the Botox really helps, so I have Botox now running yeah. all through my neck and shoulders to stop it, um, but for eight months last year, it was probably one of the, it was definitely the hardest time in my life um, because it was while I was getting diagnosed, getting to the right doctor, and then having the Botox work finally. I went from April to December, in fact, Christmas Eve. Yeah, Christmas Eve. Um, so eight months of nonstop my I'm head whipping, whipping yeah. to the left. Yeah. Um, and that was really hard. 40 doctors. Yeah, 40 doctors, yeah. So they've been dealing with a lot of external issues. And it's, so it's interesting, when it comes to this verse up on the screen, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, uh, when you see those words, uh, submit to one another, and specifically the last part, out of reverence for Christ, Ed, why don't you start? I know faith is something that came at a younger age, but then you really came back to it and claimed it in these uh, few years. What does out of reverence for Christ mean to you? Well, Christ died on the cross for our sins, and it's the least I could do is kind of be mature in, in like a fight with my wife and not, you know, be respectful, fight fairly, right? Mm -hmm. As God and Jesus would want me to. Mm -hmm. So it's something about what Christ has done for you. You're like, you look at that sacrifice and you go, I've got to operate in a different way. Taryn, how, how about for you, when you see out of reverence for Christ, what does that mean to you? It means out of respect for Christ, um, how much 
I love God and how much I respect Christ. And it's just to show that same love and respect and honor to my husband Mm -hmm. because, like I said, after all he's done for us, it's the least I can do to just submit and not let it be my own way. Oh, and it's interesting, and these guys are kind of new to the game when in renewing in their faith over this last decade. And I can remember some of the conversations we had about grace. And grace is a foreign concept to the world. Most people think of grace as something that happens right before you pray. I mean, right before you have a meal, you know. And grace, I know for these two, was a game changer for them. Grace was a game changer. Understanding the grace of God and then applying that grace to each other. It was a total, total game changer. Talk now, you guys just went through a submitting piece, and this is the story we'll close with today. Talk about, uh, Ed, what were you feeling a couple months ago about the Bay Area, job, things like that? Give the background. Sure, with Terrence, you know, with what we're going through in a medical fashion, um, and with four kids, Bay Area is pretty expensive. We, I'm so sick of traffic, as you guys probably are too. Mm-hmm. Um, just the daily hustle and bustle of living in the Bay Area. I've been pushing my own agenda for probably last year. Like, hey, let's let's get out of here. Let's move up towards Sacramento and where we can get. We have four kids. I have a three-bedroom house with one bathroom. <laughs> Three of my kids are girls. So <laughs> yeah. 980 square feet. Yeah, yeah. And then my mother-in-law lived with us as well to help out, and, which was a big blessing because she helped so much. But again, one bathroom. Yeah. And so I've been pushing my personal agenda for like the last year. And then probably uh, December-ish, I just stopped talking about it, stopped pushing. Huh. So it's interesting. Ed wanted to go. He felt it was best for their family to go. Taryn, you were apprehensive. Tell them about how that came about, uh, specifically about the Bible app. Yes. Well, I was apprehensive first because we're so happy here, right? We love our church. We love our school. We love our friends. We love our community. How can you leave when you're so happy? Um, So I was really resisting leaving because I am so happy here. I love so many people here that are here today um, in this church. And um, so a friend of mine had talked to me about that she was reading a book called Discerning the Voice of God. And um, then I'm on the Bible app, if any of you guys have that, and I was on my phone. And I see this Bible app, and it's this, excuse me, this one... Um, plan. They have different plans that you can read. And I read, I saw this one plan and it literally was called the same thing, discerning the voice of God. And I thought, wow, how cool. So I wound up inviting about 11 of my girlfriends to do it with me. And so we all joined together and it was kind of fun because you can see each other's comments and whatnot. And the Bible app, the author of the Bible app talked all about, it's exactly what Elizabeth was singing about this morning. And Elizabeth, your voice is so beautiful. I was like in tears while you were singing. Um, But it was all about surrendering and obeying Mm. um, God. And the author pushed those two words, surrender and obey. She pushed them so much through that plan. It was a seven-day plan that God put it on my heart to actually insert those words into my iPhone calendar. Mm. And I have it as a reminder that pops up every day, every morning, to surrender Mm. and obey God. Mm, That's good. So you guys are heading out when? 
So we will be moving out um, June 30th. Our house uh, just closed uh, May 30th, and we're running back for a month, and we'll be um, moving out June 30th. Um, I wanted to add one more thing, Brian, to the surrender and obey God piece, and this is where um, it really came full circle for me to submit to what I knew my husband had been wanting for so long. You know, when I first got this condition... I think at first I was just like in denial. I would wake up every morning and I'd be like, it's going to go away. I'm going to be able to get a job again. It's all good. And every morning it didn't go away. Mm. And, um, you know, so here we are. I'm about 14 months Mm. into the condition again. It's acting very well while I'm on stage. Thank you. Thank you for it acting so lovely. I love you. (laughs) Um, So, um, but through the... Bible app again, I put the surrender and obey words in my phone. Well, I had actually put other things in my Mm -hmm. phone um, over the course of this last year. And it had just been, you know, maybe a year ago, maybe nine months ago, maybe two months ago, and maybe a week ago, I had put different things in my calendar. And those went like this. And remember that the car accident really hurt us through the seven months Ed was out of work. But here were the five things. There were five iPhone calendar reminders in my phone, and it went like this. Clear up credit report. Mm. Pay off property taxes. Mm. We had gotten behind. Um, Apply for financial aid. We send three kids to private school, Mm. so if it was just getting too much to Mm -hmm. bear. And then the fourth one um, was apply for um, inner school district transfer. If we weren't going to go to private, I was going to send our kids to public. And I wanted to, you know, transfer to a home, to a school closer to us. And then the fifth one was surrender and obey God. Hmm. And I just looked at those five, those five things together. And I just, it was almost like it just, it just broke me. I just thought, Oh my gosh, like what have, what, what have I been holding on to all this time? Yes, mm. I love our church. I love our school. I love our friends. I love mm. everything we've built here. And we're very rooted here. We've been here. I've been here a total of 18 years. Ed is born and raised here. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 years in Redwood City. Nine years at this church. Yeah. So it was very hard to leave. But when I saw those five things together, I just knew it was God. I just yeah, knew it was did. God saying, Taryn, it doesn't have to be this hard. It... Um, there is, there is a better way. This is what your husband wants. This is what your husband has been trying to tell you for mm. so long. Mm. Um, Best for our family. And yeah. so it just started with just, okay, let's go look. We wound up finding a house in Folsom. And I felt God whisper to me there um, mm. that you're going to get healthy again. Mm. And, um, and I just knew it. So that's pretty much our story. Can we thank them? <laughs> I wanted you to see a truly alive couple that is working with the concept of submission. And the reality is a couple who's been changed by the grace of God. They're not the same couple that I met 10 years ago, and they would admit it. And they'd also say they surely don't have it fully together, just like the rest of us now. But it has been such a beautiful story of God's grace. I find with most couples that I meet with over the last 20 years, they fall into two categories when they walk in, healthy or unhealthy. The healthy ones are coming in more for a tune-up, maybe to deal with a situation that has arisen, The unhealthy ones are dealing with one of three things. You might want to write these down for evaluation purposes. 
they're either, deal- they're either dealing with decay, there's been this decay. And what I would say their decay is this. Their decay is their sin nature has just gotten too much of their marriage. Their selfishness is one. Or they have a deliverance issue. When Ed came in and they were dealing with some addiction issues, and Taryn, we needed to get that out. They didn't get out. It was beautiful to see how God did that with his power and their work. And then there are some couples that are just flat out dead. Those are the ones that scare me the most. It's like wet wood that can't be lit. So it's interesting. Couples come in either healthy or unhealthy with decay, deliverance needs, or dead. I want you to ponder right now, not your own relationship, but your family of origin. In your family of origin, would you label it healthy, your mom and dad, or unhealthy? Raise your hand if you feel that it was healthy. Okay? It's about a third. And the reality is that's typically the case. A third of the couples are healthy. The other two-thirds aren't. And what's powerful about that is it's what the world needs to know, is that there's a different way of doing marriage, and it starts with submitting to one another, but it's really hard to do. And it's wild if you think about it. True, true love does submit marriage. It's our big idea today, true, true love. And I believe it's true across all relationships. True love does submit in any relationship. The wild part is that opening line, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, isn't just about marriage. It's the opening umbrella passage for a host of scripture that comes under it about how a household should act. Does that make sense? It includes friends. It includes your family of origin. It includes your teachers that you teach or your students that you teach. It includes your workmates. Today you'll hear much more in marriage, but I want you to hear all these principles we'll talk about relate to all your relationship. Submission is what makes relationship work. But the reality is this, we gotta have God to do it. And I have this crazy idea and concept and we're under this very ambitious uh, vision that we're after. We want more and more homes to live out that healthy relationship so that the world will know that Christ has changed them. We're in this crazy idea that we're hoping for 10% of the homes to be Christ-centered and touched by Christ on the Bay Area. Right now, about 3% of the 4% of the homes are. And when the hazes got to know Christ, healthy relationship took off. When the Wrens got to know Christ back in 91 when we got married, okay, we're a different version than the previous generation. And we're on this crazy mission to empower people to experience Christ like that so that it plays out like this. Somebody says to you, what is your deal? Your wife or husband did what and you forgave them? You're nuts, you should leave them, but not by the power of Christ. They see you having a discussion over something and you actually handle it well in public and don't berate each other. I can't believe you had that type of self-control. How in the world do you do that? It's Christ. This is the same when people inquire about somebody else at their work and go, hey, what's making you happy today? Anything hard going on? You hurting about anything? People are like, you must be a freak. Why do you care about me? This is Christ working in us, but that takes submission. Does that make sense? 
So the reality is we can change the world if we change our relationships with each other because people will be, go, what is going on? It's like the first time I explained grace to those two and they went, back up. And then they would always come in. He needs to show me more grace. She needs to show me more grace. And I was like, they've got on the grace train. They'll work it out. <laughs> can everyone relate to that? So do you see? We're talking about marriage today, but we're talking about taking relationships to the next level with these principles we'll talk about. But in relationship to marriage, look at this. Quote, marriage will cost you more. It will cost you something great. It will cost you a price much higher than the money you spend on a ring or a wedding or a cake or a honeymoon. It'll cost you yourself. Average cost of the wedding right now, $27,000. Have boys. Start sending funds to friends who have girls. <laughs> Just go fund me. Start GoFundMe pages for people with a lot of girls. $27,000. And the reality is we don't really realize what we're getting into even though we make that much of a financial investment. There's a survey that asked 1,000 married men and women if they believe the average person has an understanding of the personal cost of marriage. 96% of them said they have no idea what they're getting into. Ever sat at a wedding? You hear the good stuff? You look at the $27,000 being spent and you nudge your spouse next to you and go, they have no idea. They, oh my gosh, I feel bad for them. They have, <laughs> ignorance is totally bliss today, okay? Isn't it the truth? But marriage ends up being, if you really think about it, as much as I just knocked it, <laughs> marriage ends up being and can be the most satisfying and actually the most transforming crucible that anyone can enter into. But I believe you got to do it with God. I actually think it's the same for friendships. People often say, oh, what's it mean to have a friend? I say, what's it mean to have a friend? You're not really friends until you've had a fight totally disagreed, offended each other, made up, and you're still friends, and then you do it again. Because you're formed in that crucible. You're formed in that, and that's what marriage is also. The reality is, <laughs> marriage turns out to be a very interesting and unique place. Even though marriage is one of the most significant choices you'll make in your life, it's the only one you're given a license to do before you actually learn how to do it. You're given a license and you, they say, go get married. You don't do that for driving a car, being an accountant, being a doctor. The irony is this, you do do that with Christianity. It takes a mustard seed of faith and then it turns into this journey of becoming shaped more and, like, more and more like Christ. And that's what marriage is, that's what marriage is. When we look at the issue of submission, we gotta clarify the term. So let's look at this slide and clarify the term. Here's what it's not. It's not saying uncle. It's not saying, uh, it's not succumbing to the authority that's above you. It's not bowing down. What it really comes to, it's surrendering. It's yielding. I hope these next five words change your relationship. I'm counting them, it is five. What is best for us? What is best for us? I remember when my wife first said it, she'd had about 14 years of me with my agenda, my agenda, my agenda. And finally one day, 
in her calmness, in her grace and truth way, she stepped back and says to me, hey, could we think of it in the context of this question? What's best for us in this situation? My, I don't know what happened that day. God used that question to expose my selfishness and to change my approach. What's best for us? That can be asked on any team. That can be asked in any friendship. That can be asked in every family of origin when there's, in our house, six agendas. And we rally the troops and say, okay, I know you that, I know this and this, but okay, what's best for us? What is best for us at this time? Will we let God show that? This is when you transition from, it's about me, as Ed was saying, thanks for that, Ed, to it's we. Ed's lamenting the me stage. (laughs) Yesterday afternoon, I just wanted to go sit on my back porch. My back porch is my place of silence, solitude, and solace. I drove people all over the Bay Area yesterday. (laughs) All over the Bay Area. North, south, it never stopped. Because I was stuck in it being about me. I could have had such better rides with everybody in the car if it wasn't so much about me. It could have been such a better dinner if it wasn't so much about me last night. I finally went and sat in my back porch and God pretty much said to me, get over yourself and go back in the house. (laughs) Super humbling, but super true. The irony is when you look at this passage, it is about yielding. It's yielding. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to yield. And if we relook at it, and I want you to see it again, submit to one another out of reverence for what Christ has done to you. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It's calling a husband to cherish. It's calling a wife to respect. It's calling to do it based on what God has done for all of us in the way that he's been patient, long-suffering with us more than willing to wait on us. He submitted so much for us. The truth be told, it also calls both husband and wife out. So this is what Aunt Pinky didn't get. Remember Aunt Pinky? She didn't get the next line, verse 22. It's not even on the screen. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do the Lord. So the way you handle yourself before the Lord Handle yourself that way before your husband. And now most people are saying, but my husband is not a God, nor does he act like it. Okay? But that's the spirit of intent there. Because look what it also says. It says, if you go to 525, it's not on the screen, you'll just have to hear it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I'm called to die for my wife. My wife's only called to submit to me. We're going with the spirit of it. We're going with the spirit of it. But I would die for my wife. I would. The reality becomes, what's our attitude and approach to this? Is our attitude still about me or is it one of these three attitudes? I think any of these three attitudes that we have to choose about submission is good. If you go to the next slide, you'll see it. The reality is our attitude matters. Sometimes we do it for Christ's sake. 
I understand what God did for me. And you know what? I'll submit because, gosh, he's been so patient. So I'll hold my tongue. I'll follow through with that when I don't want to. Christ suffered. I will suffer. I will not always have things my way. Sometimes we do it just for the sake of peace. I submit because, gosh, I just want to have peace in my home. I wish everybody else would submit in my home that way. We could have a lot of peace if six people submitted. How about the last one? Just, we have the best that can be. For the best, I submit for the sake that it could be the best it could be if we just submit. The reality is besides an attitude, it takes some action. And here's where I want you to pick and get really practical. I'm gonna show you some actions of submitting and I want you to get aggressive and pick two of them. The first one is this. I believe if you submit in your prayer life, this thing will cascade and change in whatever relationship you're in, married or otherwise. Because prayer has a way of softening the hard heart. Sometimes ours, sometimes the other. So pray for their heart to soften. Pray for your heart to soften. And then couples specifically, can you get 90 seconds of prayer every day? 90 seconds, that's not a lot. I can't believe how hard it is to get 90 seconds. My favorite 90 seconds, we don't do it right now because our rhythm's not working for this actual context I'm gonna give you, but there was this time when I would drop off the last kid, I'd come back to the house. Miss would get out of the shower. She'd just blow dry her hair and she looked really pretty and she smelled really good. And I would meet her down in the bathroom as she was getting ready, putting her makeup on. And I would walk up to her and be like, babe, why don't we pray right now? And I love feeling the weight of her hands in mine. And for 90 seconds, I'd pray for her and she'd pray for me. That sounds so good. I haven't done that in months in that setting. We've done it in some other places. We just don't have that rhythm right now. Will you find your 90-second prayer spot that works for you? Because I tell you, if you do that, the rest of this stuff, it greases the skids. And all the stats show, secular and Christian, the couples who pray together have the most satisfying relationships. This is still a growing edge for us. I ruined our prayer life for the first decade. I got really righteous about it. I wanted to do it when I wanted to do it. I would critique my wife when she didn't want to do it. It was a disaster. It took our second daughter to have a health ailment where we just got desperate. And I had to get over myself in my way and stop condemning her, and it changed. And it's still this muscle that we endlessly have to try to continue to work out. How about your pride? Will you just take your pride and confess it? Because that is a form of submission. And then, when the other person confesses just their pride and what they're holding on to, will you just release them? Submission is actually forgiving somebody. It really is. So what are you holding against your spouse? What do you need to confess to your spouse? Those are things that we need to do with one another. Men, confess if you've been looking at porn because it's one of the greatest breakdowns in society right now. Two-thirds of us are addicted to porn or viewing it. We have a men's purity group on Tuesday night, 7.30. It's always there in that building. Come, get help, admit it, admit it to other people. That's pride. That's deceit. That's not just decay. That's something you need to be delivered from. Women, the way you speak to your husband, confess it. Confess it. Most men will complain how their wives speak to them and how it's disrespectful and they feel degraded. You gotta figure out how to do that a different way with grace and truth. I'm about to give you some words. Confess it. Get help on it. Acknowledge it when you do it. 
free each other. How about preferences? I often have an agenda, and then my wife has an agenda, and it's not the same agenda, and we can't agree. They say in marriage, 67% of all issues go unresolved. You just can't find agreement. It's like our laundry room, 26 years unresolved on how we want to handle our, our laundry room. I want it this way, she wants it this way. I've stormed up the steps sometimes. What are we going to do with this laundry room? You would think it was important. It's a laundry room. I can't believe we keep the laundry room like this. Blah, 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 blah. You know? After a while, God's like, get over it. When you have unresolved issues, you got two options if you can't agree. Compromise, find a third option. There's really not a third option to controlling your laundry room. Like, we'd have to hire somebody to come every week. We're financially, financially not willing to do that. So we don't have a third option. But if she wants Indian and I want Chinese, Mexican's the third option. <laughs> right? Start finding third options where you don't agree. But better yet, if you can't agree and you can't find a third option because it's too expensive or it'd be crazy to bring somebody in to clean up your laundry room, do this. Gift it. I've handed over the laundry room. Uh, my wife keeps the laundry room how she wants, and I keep the garage how we want. It's not tit for tat, but there's these things that we just need to gift each other and get over it. Mexican, Chinese, if you can't find a third option, say you'll go get Mexican and not complain. That's submission in day-to-day -day practical life. How about your tongue, grace, and truth? Here's some new words for you. Just start walking around your house saying this, I like, I like, oh, I like, I like. It'll change your total attitude. It's a form of submission because there's so many things you don't like that you want to talk about. <laughs> I like, I really like you did that. I really like how you look today. I really appreciate that you went to the store for me. I like. It takes five to clear out the one critical one. But if you're going after five I likes, you're talking we so much more than me. And that's what we need to do in this culture. It's crucial. Here's other words for you. The next time your spouse screws up, your friend screws up, your sister screws up, your brother screws up, whoever, say to them, hey, next time, it's your two favorite new words, next time, could you? Don't say, I can't believe you did that. What a jerk. It's the 476th time you've done that. Instead, next time, next time is powerful. Next time is powerful. I like, I like, and then start using next time. Next time, so much better. When I bring home the wrong groceries from Costco, my wife says, hey, next time. <laughs> could you buy the red apples and only one pallet of them? Because we don't eat green apples and you bought two pallets. That's so much nicer than, do you not live here? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Have you not seen the apples we bought over the years? Red, green, it's red. Can you relate to that? But next time, soothes and is a form of submission. How about touch? Can you go after 90 seconds of positive touch? 90 seconds of positive touch with one another. Not sexual endo touch. We're talking touch. I often will, excuse me, not even 90 seconds, just nine. Just nine seconds of touch. Just nine. I'll tell you this. When you go hold your spouse for nine seconds, you'll realize this is kind of long. We who are not married within the first three years, this is kind of long. And if you try to kiss your spouse for more than actually three seconds and it turns into six, you'll be like, that seems long too. <laughs> Can you get nine seconds of touch and a six-second kiss in? When you do that six-second kiss, I promise you your kids will run. <laughs> touch matters. 
And then time. Will you give yourself 15 minutes a day as a couple to submit your time to your spouse and go through these questions? Hey, what's been happy? What's been hard? What's hurt? And what's a have to? This is a game changer. You show up, you finally get your 15 minutes, you get focused, you put everything down. Hey, tell me something that was happy today. Tell me something that hurt. Tell me something that was hard. They share, you share yours. This works for friendship in any relationship. You say this to a coworker, they'll think you're a freak. But then they'll know you're operating under submission to the love of God. And then you say to your spouse, is there any have-tos we have to deal with? Because there's always have-tos. As we close today, I want you to see this uh, quote, but marriage is not simply about your happiness. It's not even about you. It's about unconditional love, which we choose to give time and time again. It's about sacrificing, serving, giving, and forgiving, and then doing it all over again. I want to leave you with a number, just one number. It's the challenge I want to give you, 6,999. This number, I want you to wrestle with this number as a married person. Can you get 6,000 seconds in once a week to go on a date? It's an hour and 40 minutes. Can you go for 900 seconds a day where you have that happy, heart-hurting talk time? Can you get 90 seconds of daily prayer and can you go after that nine seconds of touch? This is a form of submission. There's other things I left for you on the sheet today about how to apologize to each other, but I think this is key today. So as we go today, what I wanna do is ask couples to stand up. Would you stand up, couples? I won't do anything but pray for you. I want you first to see a challenge I wanna give you there's a challenge in this dating scenario that can work really well for you. It's called the 100-minute date challenge. Couples, the couples who have the most 100-minute dates and registered on this website have a chance to go to the Ritz at the end of the summer. I hope that motivates you. Let me pray for you as couples right now. Father in heaven, hold a hand. And those who are around them, hold a hand out. Do a work right now. We've heard how to submit but we need your power to submit. Lord, there's a simple prayer today. Lord, may your love and your power help us to submit more and more so it's more about we, God, than me. We ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.